You are listening to the Wannabe Collective, your new variety podcast featuring every fandom that you could possibly think of. On the Wannabe Collective, all wannabes are welcome. Is lasagna the superior pasta Italian dish? Italian pasta dish is my question. Can we include uh, manicotti in this discussion? Is that the one where it's like it's like a burrito kinda, like a pasta yeah, burrito, yeah. cheese burrito? Sure, yeah. sure. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you use that. Okay. So, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you think, guy? Well, um, I mean, we are obviously entertaining the heavy pasta dishes as the only Italian cuisine. Because uh, I actually really, really like the seasoned meats, the chicken, the beef, the the veal. Don't tell my wife because that's made from a baby animal. Um, but uh, it is delicious too. <laughs> here's here's the thing. Yeah. I, I can't. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna wave the neutral flag on this because I can eat Italian literally every day because I love it so much. All kind, all of it. It's Seriously. Just yeah. Every day. I- I would nominate for Italian dishes. I would nominate polenta as the top of the list. That well, is like good, the each as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Starch, and that's mm. how we're starting the podcast. I guess uh, it is the superior dish. And I'm Team Spaghetti bop-a-dee, as bop-a-dee, I bop it <laughs> If you uh, all you got to do is make you know this this motion with your hands, where you take all your you clasp your fingers with your thumb. And just shake your shake your hand, and you're you're all of a sudden Italian. So, uh, hey, hey, this is a great way to start it because we're now gonna you know pour one out for uh, Giancarlo Giannini. So who's that? We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Oh <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. This is, of course, uh, actually we have a, we have an official name now. We established this. Um, so this is a part of the wannabe collective. If you're subscribed, you know, we do a lot of different stuff here, but this particular show is called keeping it real R E E L. Uh, this is basically our movie show where we review stuff. Shout out to Ryan Dalton for coming up with that one. And, uh, this is the one, you know, we do this. This is like the main show we do, I would say, uh, over on this podcast feed. Uh, I am usually joined by more people, but uh, they couldn't make it tonight. But it's okay because this is this is gonna be a I think this is gonna be the right amount of people for this discussion because tonight we're gonna be reviewing Quantum of Solace Solace however you want to say it the 2008 action adventure 007 film starring Daniel Craig joining me tonight is Ethan Maestri the pun you know my punch counterpunch counterpart uh, over on the Wannabe Critic podcast shameless plug and also returning we have Guy Mace the our resident Bond expert. Uh, he, J- guy loves James Bond so much, and he loves this this show and this podcast. He's actually the number one fan. He loves it so much that he actually read the the book for Quantum of Solace in preparation from this podcast. Guy Mace, can you in fact confirm that statement? That is an accurate statement. I do confirm. There you have it, out of the horse's mouth. Wow, I, I did not read it for this podcast though. I read it previously. Okay. Okay. So now the truth. Well, you so have now shot all the credibility. Truth. Yeah. Now the truth That's comes just out. bled away now. Fake I, I, but I, no, no, no. Okay, okay. I refreshed myself with the book. Actually, it's a short story. It's not even a book. Uh, <laughs> and then, in and then in five. 
And then in five minutes, the story becomes, well, I think I read it once the first year in college. I, yeah, it's blurry. Might have been an audio book. Yeah. Long story short, Guy Mace is a fake fan. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, it's it's cool. Um, I asked Ryan Dalton to join us on this show and Caleb Henley as well, uh, fellow wannabes. Um, Ryan says he dislikes this movie so much that he did, and he he selfishly did not want to have to watch it again. Um, so therefore he's not there tonight. And then Caleb, he's passed on. Uh, <laughs> no, he's he's fine. He's with his in laws. Uh, same thing, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um. No, but we're going to be talking about it. I, I'm, I'm kind of excited this is going to be a little more somewhat of a low-key discussion because there's actually a lot to talk about with this movie. Um, and I think a lot of people probably saw this movie back in 2008, right, and kind of gave it the same you know, pass off that, that, that we kind of did because all three of us kind of felt the same way. Right. Except for Ethan. I think Ethan's always liked this movie. Um, but me and guy and Ryan, uh, last time we were saying, you know, eh, it's just not that good. You know, it's, 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 it, I think someone threw around the word, you know, as borderline terrible. Uh, that might've been Ryan. I can't remember who, who, who said that, but either way, we are going to give our review of that tonight. Um, before we get into that, though, let's do a little bit of catching up. Uh, Ethan, let's throw it to you first. What have you been up to, bro? Well, first of all, let me just uh, speak to Mr. Ryan Dalton for a, a second and say, you coward for not showing up for this <laughs> podcast. So I'm just going to lay that one out there on the table. I, I look forward to the, uh, the the Twitter duel that may or may not occur from this point. Um. As to what I've been up to, it's, it's, life's been good. Uh, I've been exploring other hobbies. Uh, I, I, I've gotten a camera. I've been playing with photography. Set, I'm in the early parts of playing with settings and figuring out how to take, you know, landscape shots and outdoor shots of objects and things like that. I got uh, I got my first really good pictures of uh, Jupiter and Saturn that are up in the sky right now through my telescope, and so I was really excited. Um, just yeah, it's it's a new hobby, a new something to do, and it's away from a keyboard, and I'm excited about that, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, I have been spending some time on the keyboard. I finally got the VR to work with Flight Simulator, and holy cow, that's a mind-blowing experience, flying an airplane in VR. Uh, they've, they've made that game so incredible, and now that it works flawlessly with the Oculus that I have... Um, yeah, I've been in, I've been enjoying my evenings inside too. <laughs> so yeah, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and uh, yeah, uh, I've been having some fun. Now you picked up a seventy D, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. I mean, that is technically, you know, like the technology of yesteryear. But the fact of the matter is, is those, those DSLR ca- cameras still take incredible photos and incredible video. Um, yeah, I mean it's yeah, and, and I think the, I think the the technology right now is in the, that transition from going from what a DSLR was, which is the mirrored version, is now going mirrorless, yeah. and the profiles are getting smaller, but they're able to do better things with them. That's fine. I don't care about that. This is what I'm learning on, and I'm having a blast. Yeah. You know, getting into this digital world of photography, which I played with. You know, an old Canon, you know, SLR uh, that my dad had for years and interchangeable lenses. And I had some fun playing with that. Um, 
this is a whole new world for me though, getting in on the digital side and then being able to, you know, play with pictures in Lightroom and, you know, in, in Adobe and, and, and doing things with the data is is really cool. Also, yeah, just wait, wait until you get Premiere. You get it. You, you that that sweet, sweet, full on uh, Adobe Suite sale will come around, and it'll be like you'll be like, oh, yeah. tw- twenty bucks, a, like twenty bucks a month. That's what I pay for Lightroom on on its own. I, I need all of it, <laughs> and you'll have it. You yeah. won't use half of them. You'll use you, you know you use Premiere and Lightroom. But that's cool, man. I'm happy for you. That's rad. That's rad. Yeah, I I loved. Uh, Emma had a 70D. That's what I learned how to shoot stuff on. That's what I started YouTubing with. Um, at, well, actually, I started YouTubing with my Mac camera first, and then I switched to the 70D. And then about a year later, it died. Um, but yeah, man, that's that's right. I'm excited to see what happens for you with that. And I want to hear about definitely want to hear about Flight Simulator more off camera as well too. Um, oh yeah, guy doesn't play video games at all, so he's probably like, "God, why did I come? Why did I show up here tonight?" <laughs> uh, guy, what's been uh, what's been going on in your world, man? Well, uh, first of all, I want to uh, applaud uh, Ethan there because I think during the last uh, little meeting we had doing this, he mentioned that he was uh, de-digitizing his life. He was trying to get out, get some vitamin D, and so I, I, I'm. I'm rooting for you, man. Keep that up. That's that's good stuff. So in light of that, with this time of year, this is my favorite time of year, fall. Uh, we have had just incredible weather this week, a little cooler than normal. The evenings are just perfect bonfire type weather. Uh, love this time of year. So uh, I'm, I'm jazzed about that. Looking forward to spending more time in the outdoors coming up. Hunting season's coming up, which is always fun. Football season started. Got to go to the Chiefs game um, a couple weeks ago. They're a home opener, so that was phenomenal, phenomenal game. Last week, not so great, but uh, this next weekend, I'm I'm hoping for positive things. Um, other than that, just uh, busy. I am uh, still working on uh, editing my little writing project I've got going on, and that's that's proving to be challenging is the wrong word, but uh, testing to me, I guess maybe because. Um, I'm having to tweak some things I was, I thought I was happy with, but now I'm not. So uh, I'm, I'm sort of reimagining that, reinventing it. So that's, that's proving to be an interesting process to go through because I've never, never been through it before. I guess, I guess I need some pep talk from, from uh, Ryan or, you know, someone who's been through this process before, but no, that's, that's what I've been up to keeping up with the four kids, which is always uh, a losing battle uh, typically. So, um, you know, just living life, living the dream. Now, 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 guy, I'm not going to let you get away with it because I know for a fact there's one thing that you go like hard in the paint with and you're going to play it off like it's not that big of a deal, whatever. Guy Mace, Guy Colby, because, you know, Guy Mace is the elder, you know, the the dad of the entire thing. But Guy is Guy Jr., uh, is that do people ever call you that guy? guy I'm not. I'm not a junior man. Yeah. My middle name is different, so yeah. I go by Colby. Guy or Colby, either yeah. one, depending on who I'm talking to. So, Guy Colby <laughs> is super duper into working out. You you are like that's a thing that you've gotten into the past year, and you go to Orange Theory, right? And anyone who's ever you know anyone who's ever like worked out in their entire life, you think you've worked out until you go to Orange Theory. <laughs> Um, cause it is freaking hard and there's this thing that they do. It's called a, a dry try. 
So, guy, I'm gonna I'm not letting you off the hook on this one. Oh, you're gonna call me out. Oh, aren't I'm you? calling you out. That's what happens on this podcast. So, tell us what a dry try is, and tell us how exactly you succeeded it. Because I saw the pictures, and you looked pretty jazzed that you completed it, and I was <laughs> I was happy for you because that, that that look that you saw was was a, a look of, of disbelief, a look of of um, just absolute uh, joy that it was over. The pain <laughs> was behind me. So. Um, well, okay. So a triathlon, uh, dating back many, many uh, years, maybe back to, uh, Greek times. I kind of think that came out of the Olympics, maybe, uh, kind of like the marathon. Uh, but it is a, a tri party sporting event made up of three different, uh, events, the traditional uh, type that we know, at least that's typically uh, done here, uh, in modern times consists of, uh, swimming, uh, consists of biking on the road. And then consists of running. Well, a dry try in a gym, uh, at least in the Orange Theory version, consists of rowing on a on a water rowing machine. Not actually in the water, but a machine. Uh, consists of uh, this one consisted of three hundred reps on the floor of body body weight movements. So burpees, squats, all other types of very miserable, unimaginable ways to move your body around. And then finalized by a three point one mile run. So that, that is, that's a dry try. And you try to do it, you know, obviously as quick as you can. Uh, I had never done it before, so I didn't really know. Yeah, I didn't have a benchmark to shoot for. I just went as hard as I could. And you did it. I did it, yes. Dude, I did. round of applause. If we could, yeah, you well, know, thanks. that's that's so cool. That's, that's rad. You know, that, that, is, that sounds exhausting. It, it was, <laughs> more than exhausting. It was painful. There may have been some blood involved from, you know, multiple places. Um, multiple orifices. I will, I will say this, that... <laughs> I will say this, that um, COVID, that is one of the things I, I, I picked up on was trying to, to get in shape. And um, yeah, I've lost like 30 pounds uh, over that time period. And so it's, I'm not totally where I want to be yet, but I'm, I'm on the way and I, you know, I feel great. So um, yeah. That's awesome. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for elaborating. Go ahead, Ethan. An update nobody wants to know, but they're opening a Brahms just a few blocks away. So my COVID, my COVID fifteen is about to turn into COVID thirty. Yeah. There you go. There I, you go. It is kind of crazy. At the beginning of this year, something similar happened to me. I started, you know, exercising more, um, and it, it is. It does go to show, like, it really can affect your mood, your mindset. Little small things, like it started with, you know, what, I'm going to try and exercise at least twice a week. Was able to do that for a while. Kind of fell off. Got back into it. I go a few times a week now. Well, not with the goal of like losing weight or anything, but just with the goal of overall health. Because you need to move your body, you know. Um, so small things like trying to drink less alcohol, drink less soda, eat, you know, have smaller portions, and go to the gym. Get get more sleep. <laughs> um, over time, you know, it can really make a difference in, in demeanor and overall health. And you can have wonderful conversations and uh, you know. Whenever someone says, yeah, I'm kind of a big deal. I can do the dry try. And it's like, well, you know what? I'm trying to take care of my body too. How about that? You know, no, I'm just, I'm just joking. But it's, it is kind of cool to have people on here with different interests that do different things that excel in different things and that are passionate about different things. And everyone should be able to express that, uh, with an, on it, with, uh, an unabashed <laughs> or unabashedly that's, that's the right word. So, um, nothing crazy has been going on over here. Uh, I am, I just ordered, <sighs> the time has come gentlemen for me to redo my setup in here. Um, I'll be moving all my consoles. I got a new desk that's coming in. 
So I'll have a desk for my Mac setup. I'll have a desk for uh, my PC setup and for my consoles. Everything's not going to be Frankenstein together like it is now. Um, I got another ultrawide monitor coming in, so I'll have two ultrawides. It's going to be amazing. I'm excited. So, um, reigning in a new area and reigning in a new era, um, kind of for, you know, WBC 2.0, um, you know, ushering in a, a new era. So exciting stuff. Um, I'm excited to continue to make more stuff. I've been making more gaming videos, trying to be more regular with content creation, Stuff like that. It's been it's been a lot of fun and it's been humbling. So trying to put an emphasis on being entertaining. That's really what the whole point of wannabe critic is. Is uh, you know a group of people getting together to express common interests and as well as express their opinion on non common interests. You know and have everyone else respectfully listen and, and give feedback. Maybe give each other some some ribbing about it or whatever. You know it's it's all in good fun. So. But uh, it goes to show that those things are kind of inherently entertaining. And I think there was a time where I kind of lost sight of what the whole point of all this was. And it's it's to enjoy it's to enjoy yourself, but it's also to be entertaining. So I want to thank you guys for showing up and, and offering us a little glimpse into your life because I'm thoroughly entertained and I'm sure the audience is too. So there you have it. Yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to our main conversation or main topic of discussion. Quantum of Solace, rated PG-13, came out in 2008. Uh, of course, action-adventure, it's 007. 86% of Google users like this movie. This has a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb, a 64% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 58% on Metacritic. Um, the 58 is the meta score, but the user score is 6.3. So relatively consistent, um, relatively consistent reviews across the board not that we not that we use that as a compass but we keep it in mind when we take our review into account um i had not seen this movie probably in 10 years um it's been a long long time and i think this might be only the third time that i've seen it uh the description says following the death of vesper lind james bond makes his next mission his next mission personal the hunt for those who blackmailed his lover leads him to ruthless businessman dominic green a key player in the organization which coerced vesper bond learns that green is plotting to gain total control of a vital natural resource and he must navigate a minefield of danger and treachery to foil the plan guy i want to throw it to you for a second does this have any core correlation correspondence whatever you want to say to the novel so I'll hold, I did this last week. I'll do it again this week. Um, it's funny. I, I hadn't read this uh, book in a while. Um, and so I actually had trouble finding it on my shelf. I thought I lost it. And the reason is because the title of the book is uh, Fear Eyes Only, uh, which Bond fans know, at least from the movies, was a Roger Moore classic. Great, great movie. But the reason why Quantum of Solace is, is not listed here is For Your Eyes Only, and Quantum of Solace and three others are all short stories that were written by Fleming. They're not even novels. Uh, I think Quantum was probably a 30 or 40 page short story. So uh, that was kind of interesting. I almost got on uh, uh, eBay and, and reordered it. And I was like, well, maybe it's maybe it's in that short story book. I couldn't remember. So anyway, that's um, that's where it was. So to answer your question, though, it has the movie has 
absolutely nothing to do with the short story. I, I mean, not nothing except for the title. I, I think it was purely an effort following what they did with Casino Royale to grab one of the very few titles left uh, of Ian Fleming that had not been used. Um, very quickly, the, the literary uh, quantum of solace is James Bond having a drink with the governor or some political ruler uh, in the Bahamas, I think it is, one of, one of the Caribbean islands. And they're, they're just talking. It's a conversation, the whole story. And the, the governor proceeds to tell Bond kind of a tragic story of, of a British guy and his wife uh, on the island. And that's it. It's just a conversation between two guys. I mean, it's, it's mildly interesting. I, I think Fleming was just kind of playing around with the short story concept, uh, but it never really went anywhere. And there's a reason why they've never made a movie out of the actual uh, story of Quantum of Solace, because it would be ridiculously boring. That makes huh. sense. So it's, well, it, it's a story about a British guy and his wife as a tragedy. Mm -hmm. So you could tacitly link that with the continuation of Bond dealing with the fallout of his relationship with Vesper from the first movie. Yeah. Well, uh, that's a stretch, uh, but yes, okay. good, good job. That's right. Yeah, but it's, uh, <laughs> the, the story itself has nothing. I don't need your pity on this <laughs> on this podcast. I really don't. <laughs> Trying to be positive, uh, but no, yeah. it, no, it really doesn't have anything to do with, and it, it's a complete opposite uh, of what we saw with Casino Royale, which pretty closely followed, um, starting with the casino scene, the rest of the movie followed the book very closely, but this has nothing to do with the book. I do have a question for you guys. Had this been named something different, the title of this, do you think it would have been received differently? Because here's the thing. Quantum of solace, right? Okay, what is the definition of solace, solace, whatever you want to say? This is what Miriam defines it as. To give comfort to in grief or misfortune. To give comfort to in grief or misfortune. Quantum... This is the definition. A discrete quantity of energy proportional in magnitude to the frequency of the radiation it represents. Or the next thing under that says, what does quantum mean in simple terms? Quantum is the Latin word for amount and in modern understanding means the smallest possible discrete unit of any physical property such as such as energy or matter. So then literally the title then could be rendered as amount of solace. relatively so what is bond seeking in this movie answers solace because the only thing that's going to give him solace is going to have answers right so I, I do think ethan is on to something for sure but you could have picked a different name because i i remember as a, you know as in eighth grade was whenever i saw this i was like quantum of solace it sounds like a video game you know um so I don't know, like, I guess we can start there. Do you guys think this is an appropriately named movie? <laughs> I do. I do. I, I, th I have always, from the first time I saw it in 2008, I have always thought that this movie did very well what the title says. You're right. You hit the nail on the head. Daniel Craig as Bond in this movie is looking for some modicum of comfort out of the bad situation. And you see him actively working toward that from beginning scenes, right? And that continues. That's the thread 
that links the beginning and the end of this movie. And so I think the title is, is brilliant for what the movie, the journey that the movie is taking us on. I've always appreciated that. It, it is a very academic title that you got to think real deeply about. Think about the other titles of these movies and the books. Moonraker, uh, you know, <laughs> terrible movie, but of course, For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy, I mean, there's no thought required on any of these. Um, you've really got to dig deep uh, to, to understand what in the world this is even talking about. I think they try. My opinion is I think they wanted to use one of the few remaining titles left. And then I think that they tried to kind of come up with a story that would somewhat justify uh, the selection of that title. Um, his journey through the movie is interesting um, it, because, you know, he was so primitive in, in Casino Royale and not to jump too far ahead, but he ends up with this sort of measured, polished, calm, complete guy at the very end. Um, so it's an interesting uh, journey. And, you know, the quantum, one of the beefs I have is, is, you know, is confusing watchers and readers and they throw quantum in there. Like that's the name of Mr. Green's organization. Well, no, it's not. He, he works for um, Spectre, uh, ultimately. So that was a confusing piece. I think it was just sort of a, a cheap effort to tie in the, the title. Well, and that's the thing is, what they've built Spectre out to be is basically this Illuminati of sorts. They don't all just work for the Illuminati. They all have their different things that they specialize in, which makes them qualify to be a part of the Illuminati. You know, essentially. So Green's got his corporation that's taking over this land and all this other stuff, um, which I, I don't feel like they really was. Was the oil that they were really after? Even though that one guy said, "Hey, there's no oil to be found there." So they were wanting, wanting to control the water resource uh, and charge exorbitant prices for it. So it, they gotcha. they did not handle the quantum organization. It was mentioned one time, I think, in the movie. They didn't handle it very well. They well, didn't explain uh, hold it. Hold on. Yeah, right. It, it, and that was the thing. In the intelligence uh, community, in MI6, they didn't know what they were up against. So they're just throwing darts, and they come up with this name. It's possibly been given to them as a misleading name to get them off of the hunt of or off the scent for uh, Spectre. And so in my mind, it's very easy for me to take this, this quantum and, and the idea that they were onto something there with that and then in the next movie you realize no that's not what it was well that's fine it was a red herring and i i thought it played very nicely into this whole misinformation and not having the accurate intelligence at that point i thought it was really neat to have bond just muddling through this and doing a pretty good job of it you know thinking on his feet i thought it this movie to me takes takes the concept of the pre-bond that we see in casino royale and now here's the crucible in which at the end of this movie now we have the character that we're familiar with and i think this movie does a great job of transitioning him from here's a new idea or a new take on bond or at least we're going to start him in a new place that we're not familiar with and then by the end of the second movie now we have a franchise. Now this is what you have always known before, and we're going to continue to tell some stories with this version of it. And I think this is a great transition movie. I think, Guy, do you have any do you have any retort to that? Because I have a thought. I agree with everything he said. I, I just think it was a poorly chosen title for the movie. I, I think they kind of forced it, 
And I really think it was as simple as grab a title that hasn't been used. Now let's make that make sense. Um, and yeah, I, I think it, it could have been done better. I, I would have preferred that they hadn't named it that, but. Do they tell you outright that like, hey, you're after we're after the water, like they're obviously after the water here. Do they tell you that or they do they infer? Because I remember seeing, you know, kind of the villages around. They're like, oh, yeah, like you can't really find water. Like you can't really. Is, is that basically how they told you and how they revealed that information to you? Honestly, you spend the majority of the movie thinking that it's oil that they're after. And it isn't until what is it? Uh, David Harbour's uh, character reveals that there's no oil out there. there yeah. You know, there's nothing out there for them uh, in that regard. And so you're left wondering, well, what's so important that they're doing all this maneuvering for? And then you realize, oh, it's about the water. That's the resource. And it's extremely valuable. And I, that's the other thing I love about this movie is it was about, you know, five years or so ahead of its time. But the world we live in now is very quickly coming to the realization that water is a resource that countries may have to go to war over. And so the relevancy of what the villain is doing in this movie is something that I think has definitely aged far better than, than you know, the, the movies in the past where it was gold or oil or whatever it else uh, that you had as a resource or nuclear weapons or whatever. This one has aged quite well, I think, as a plot device mm -hmm. for the, the villain's motivations. I had a similar thought. I thought this movie was way better than I remember it being. <clears throat> the only thing, you know, at least in terms of the title and kind of, you know, we've kind of evolved the conversation and it'll go where it needs to. But um, I think that this movie is so much different than the first movie to where it kind of threw people off back in 2008 whenever they're probably expecting to see a proper follow-up to Casino Royale. And that's not really what we got here. That's It's not the same type of movie at all. I mean, this is a, like, bourbon-in-hand focus on what's happening movie. I mean, truly. I, I do think that this is a refined experience that you really have to be paying attention to. Or it's almost like watching Inception. Like, like if you're not paying attention to every second of this movie, you are going to miss something important, and that's what happened to me. Um, but that being said, in the context of where this movie fits into the entire series, you kind of start to realize, like, oh, Lashif was the first piece of this organization, and he's connected us now to Mister Green, who's also another piece of this organization. Now we're kind of seeing the bigger picture here as to what's going on. And you don't really realize that that's kind of what happened, what's ha in my opinion. I don't think they make that very obvious to you. I mean, they obviously reference Lashif and stuff like that. But how, how do you guys think that this movie corresponds to the first movie? Like, is it a proper follow-up in your opinion? or and, and try and put Skyfall and Spectre out of mind and try and, like, put yourself in the position of, is this a good sequel to Casino Royale? So my um, favorite part of the movie, my, my favorite sequence of the movie is the opening sequence. Uh, the car chase with, you know, where the Aston Martin is the absolute star uh, of that scene, going through the tunnel along Lake Como in Italy, uh, just nuts, you know, it ensues from the beginning. And then the fact that, you know, at the end, he flips open the trunk and pulls uh, Mr. White out. Now, not, that's not one word, Mr. White out versus white out <laughs> mr white out yeah yeah i need to want to clarify that so and and what that leads to i think is just this brilliant 
scene where they throw uh, Mr. White in the chair and uh, M begins her, her questioning of him and he starts to laugh. And he says, you know, and I, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase here. He says, you know, we're, we're so worried on our side. What does is, what is MI6 know? What does the CIA know? And you know nothing. You don't even know who we are. You don't even know that we exist. And so it's a, it's a brilliant beginning to this nefarious organization that MI6 is just now getting to even be introduced to. Uh, and it ends up being you know, this nefarious, multinational, multi-headed Hydra organization that uh, is just everywhere and is evil and is just diabolical. I love the way that this movie introduces you to the broader, uh, again, what will eventually become known as Spectre, uh, you know, the ultimate villain that the MI6 in the world is is against. Yeah, from my point of view, you we would not have talked about Casino Royale as being such a great, you know, Bond film without this movie being in existence. Because this movie, to me, informs us and gives us more of the character that we are introduced to in Casino Royale and then picks up that football and carries it further. And if you did not have this movie, then you would have Casino Royale and then you would have uh, uh, Skyfall. And it would be it would be uh, it would make sense. And so this this movie does a great job of developing the Bond character because it is a direct sequel to Casino Royale. I mean, we pick up literally, literally in the, in the spot, following yeah. minute. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, the minutes following. And then we go from there and we see the journey that that this Bond is going on. And it makes sense so that when you get to the end of this movie and then you see him in Skyfall and it's obviously it's got to be, you know, several years later when we pick up with Skyfall. But that character makes so much more sense in Skyfall because of all of the beats and the little nuances that we got to explore about Bond's character in this movie and how he deals with Vesper. And then we start to see, this is what also, why I also feel like it is a great Bond film just on its own merits. Uh, we get to revisit things that we have seen in previous Bond films. We get beats of it, uh, shades of it in this film, like, you know, with, uh, uh, Gemma, Atherton, Atherton's character uh, is Fields. Fields, yeah. Yeah, agent, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and she's, you know, he finds her in bed covered in oil, which was a total callback mm -hmm. to Goldfinger, you know. And so we got to see little beats like this from Bond films that we're familiar with. And I, I it is, it is cerebral. I will give you that. And this was coming at a time where, you know, people were used to keeping up with Bourne films, you know, the Bourne identity and the, the plot changes and the twists and the little details. So I, I think that's what the the director, uh, which I forget the director's name. It is. Uh, Gabe, I don't know if you yeah, got that. Yeah, I got it. It's Mark Foster. Forster. Yeah. Forster. Yeah. yeah. And, and he was relatively new. He, had, he only had a handful of uh, credits to his name prior to making this movie. And I think he brought some of that Bourne identity thinking into this film. It's the shortest of all of these newest Bond films. It's only like an hour and 45 minutes. And it's a lot of action that's packed into mm -hmm. it. But there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, 
cerebral storytelling that takes place as well. And if, if you aren't paying close attention, yeah, you might miss a detail here or there. But there's a lot of action to keep you interested if you aren't you know fully invested in the story that's being told. I, I think it has a nice balance to it. And I don't think you have as strong a franchise if you don't have this film. It, it was a necessary transition. Um, doing what they, you know, they were introducing a brand new uh, actor playing Bond. They wanted to take a, have a new take on it. They wanted to bring in an old subject matter of the Spectre organization and tell a full story across five movies. So it was a necessary bridge between the, um, you know, his introduction in Casino to the, the more developed story. Um, but, but, but I'm hearing a but there. What's, what's missing? So it's interesting that I, I, like Gabe, it's not been a decade since I've watched this, but it had been years since I had watched this movie because it just, I didn't like it initially. And um, so I, I went back and I watched it uh, in the last couple of days and tried to ask my question, why do, why do I dislike this movie so much? Because I love that opening scene. Uh, and there's several other really cool scenes later in the movie that maybe we'll talk about. I'll, I'll pin it why I hated this movie initially and why it still for me ranks as the, the least appealing of the Craig era movies. I think it is objectively the weakest movie out of all it of is. these. Yeah. I, okay. It, but it's not I bad. Guess, I guess it's, it's not bad. Here, here's the quantum of solace I'm after <laughs> is I've heard this movie talked about in such derision for years. Mm hmm. And I'm willing to accept that it is the weakest of the Daniel Craig movies. I'm perfectly fine with accepting that. The question that I want a definitive answer for is, why is it bad? Or is it bad? It, it's a question, is it that bad? It's a question of relativity, Ethan. With, with Casino Royale, we were handed, pun intended, an Aston Martin of a movie. In this movie, we're handed a Malibu. You know, good, I, good car, quality car. Gets you from point A to point B. Interesting in some ways, but it's not an Aston Martin. And here is, I, I hear you. Here is why. Let me answer your question. All right. All right. Settle down. Um, <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> I, I, the, the reason I, I think that this caused me so much consternation initially, it starts in, the, in Haiti. The entire scene of Haiti destroys the movie for me relative to the other movies. And the reason is because Mr. Green, um, who I like by the end of the movie, he, he sort of resurges at the end of the movie. He is, he is overboard on the sleaze, on the one line. It, it's, I almost thought he was the absolute wrong choice for that role based solely upon the Haiti sequence. You know, he's a foot shorter than the, the beautiful woman in the movie. He's just this sleazy little guy. It's not believable. And his one-liners are ridiculous. They're just absolutely ridiculous. And that 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 took me a while to get over uh, in watching the rest of the movie. Likewise, um, oh, her name's leaving me. Corinne, Corinne, whatever, whatever, whatever her Camille? name. Yeah, whatever her name was. Camille. Camille. There you go, Camille. Yeah. Um, she also comes on like when she your first introduction to her. She picks up Bond in this little car, and she comes off comes off as very like overly want to be a bond girl. And again, she makes up for it later in the movie. She settles down and gets into the role, but that whole Haiti scene, man, it just took me a while to get over. I think the casting and the writing was deplorable in that part of the movie. And it, there was a hangover for it for me. That's why I, I can understand where you're coming from on that because 
that whole sequence does have a pacing issue. It, it's too fast. They, they, they tried to pack too much into it. And there's a lot of character exposition and introduction that's taking place there. And it is a bit frenetic. I think that's how I would describe it. So, it, yeah, I, I, I can see where you're coming from on that. Dominic Green, though, I feel like is... If there were real-world villains like that, and there probably are, that's probably what they act like. They're businessmen. They're normal people in a crowd. Mm-hmm. But you have a conversation with them, and inside of a couple of minutes, you feel like you need a shower. Mm-hmm. And I really do feel like that he does. He nails that aspect of that villain. Uh, but, I, I tended to like it. So he comes back later in the movie, and I'll tell you when I when he was back to, for me. At the at, literally at the very end, he walks in at the you know at the climax of the movie. He's eating an apple. Like, I don't really care what's going on. Oh, yeah, here's a briefcase with tens of millions of euros in it. Whatever. Hey, sign this. Oh, you don't want to sign. You don't like the terms of the contract. Well, then don't sign it. You know, we'll just kill you and, yeah. and replace you. I mean, he totally resurges by that point in the movie. Great. Yeah. That Haiti sequence is terrible. Terrible. Yeah. I want to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, I, I feel like he does a great job from the first time he hits the screen as being uh, a Blizzard Activision CEO. I. <laughs> There's a, there's a, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that is a, uh, that, that is a nerd joke. Sorry, guys. (laughs) That's that's topical. Uh, I'm sorry. It's it's topical nerd. So I agree with everything Guy just said. Here's the problem. Okay. So Casino Royale, we get basically three, three first, first acts in Casino Royale. Basically we get the relationship you know, uh, we get the exposition of who Bond is. He's kind of this loose trigger guy, whatever. We get the exposition of Lashif, right, and what he does. And then we get the relationship exposition exposition for, you know, Vesper, basically. Kind of one right after the other. This exact same thing happens in Quantum of Solace. We have Bond doing his thing. Okay, Bond's still kind of the guy. We, we, we understand his motivations, um, then we get the interaction where we kind of get the exposition for Camille and Mr. Green and her her reasons for being in the movie. But then we get a, a different one, a third one. And that is the relationship between MI6 and Spectre in its infancy and trying to figure out what that is. Because we see, and, and as well as kind of, you know, MI6 dealing with James Bond as well. The reason I think this is the weakest one is this is one that you would have to watch a few times to kind of piece everything together because everyone's kind of dealing with something and it's, it's all compartmentalized, but not very, not very well done in my opinion. So first of all, kind of like what guy was saying, you know, that initial scene in Haiti is, is it's just, it's weird. It's a, it's a weird beginning to the movie. I wish we, we could have somehow seen, and it does, it does kind of tarnish the character, the kind of the cool bad guy-esque things that the character does for us, and Camille towards the end of the movie, and it's almost like they purposely tried to make you think that this movie, this movie belonged back in the, the early 70s, um, because it kind of had that early Bond feel to it in, in some ways, where, oh, you know... We totally had a boat chase. Yeah, exactly. So, live and let yeah, die. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that is evidently what they were going for the issue is within that 15 minute sequence from haiti you know and kind of leading up to what's to follow so much is packed into that amount of time i'm not i'm confused as to what i'm supposed to be paying attention to 
Am I supposed to be paying attention? I'm thinking of this and looking through this through the lens of a first-time watcher. Should I be concerned with, with Camille? Because they're spending a lot of time on her with her and Mr. Green's relationship. Oh, and this general guy. Okay, so Mr. Green's obviously his organization's in bed with, with this. And, and I guess they, they looking in the grand scheme of things, it is a smart way to say like, hey, these are the types of people that we do business with. You know, a, a member of Spectre being, you know, basically having this dictator guy, you know, in his pocket, essentially. So, yeah, like, the Spectre is not to be trifled with in the grand scheme of things, but as the first time you look at it, you don't realize that as the watcher that that is what's going on, or that's what you should be looking at until the end of the movie. And really, I mean, if, you, if you've not paid attention, like I said before, and again, I, I don't think this is a bad movie. I think that this movie is too smart for its own good. Um, and that there was attention to detail and the, the main difference between this movie and Casino Royale is all of those characters are tightly woven together. And then, you know, we have the whole Mathis thing kind of coming in, um, in the first movie the, everyone's close knit, the villains or the villain is, is steps away from our heroes, all of our heroes in the same room. Everything's easy to keep together. Whereas in this movie, there are so many moving parts. Um, and, uh, I, I think there were too many kind of, I don't want to say big moments. I think there were too many opportunities that they tried to make things seem significant. Like, for instance, I completely forgot that Mathis dies in this movie. Because um, you do kind of wonder, it's like, oh, what happened to him? So when we see him show back up, it's kind of like, oh, hey, what's up, man? You know, where you been? <laughs> Sorry about what happened to you. Sorry you got tased. Um Whenever the uh, the redhead, you know, she gets oiled to death, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say happens, they take too many opportunities to make things seem significant, and they just feel poorly placed. Now, that doesn't mean that it's bad. I just think for the average moviegoer, someone's going to be kind of, I don't know, if flabbergasted is the right word. I think it would just, it's hard to pick something. I, I think it's hard to to focus on everything that's happening all at once. Um, and there, so in doing, you have all these different plot lines to keep. This is this would have been a perfect season of television. Like they could have to told this over like a, like six or seven hour long episodes and made it amazing. Yet they tried to take all that content, you know, and and mash it all together. It's like MI6 is beefing with uh, MI6 is is you know doesn't know what they're up against, and they're beefing with James Bond. Bond's kind of doing his thing. Bond is really the only consistent thing throughout this entire movie in that we recognize what he should, you know, we, we recognize what he is doing. But I asked myself the question, it's like when the redhead shows up, I'm like, well, I thought Camille was going to be the Bond girl. Like, you know, where's she at? And then we don't see her again for a while, right? So I just think there's so much going on. But, but Gabe, that is what old Bond movies did. I mean, like, like Strawberry Fields, Agent Fields... She she's a Bond girl, yes, and she does a very small role, and Bond does his thing, and there again, Bond is getting into character, becoming the Bond that we we know from the past movies, and then once her bit is done, then she's dead, <laughs> you know, right? And that is that is something that was always done that in was, the Bond that was films. part of the Bond equation sure. in the old days, uh, yeah, the throwaway, so, I mean, the throwaway love interest that, it, that yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I mean they did the same thing in the first movie, but it's kind of a delayed response. Right. So, I mean, we don't really see that. And I'm not that that was one small detail. My, so, my go ahead. Sorry, guy. 
I was going to say, may, maybe, uh, again, I'm not going to pretend I certainly have all the answers here on this because I certainly don't, but maybe what you're hitting on, I'm, I'm kind of feeling, Gabe. Um, and, and going back to Ethan's question, why do we think this movie sucks so bad compared mm-hmm. to the others? It might be because of the simple volume of what they were trying to jam in there, and there were just moments that they didn't execute very well. It, it's it, that is simple. It, is it too short a movie? Yes. I think does it suffer from being only it an hour? It should have been minutes? another hour. You know, yeah, maybe maybe another. Well, and, and that I mean that would be well, that'd be a long movie, but yeah, maybe another 30, 45 minutes could have smoothed. Yeah, over I'm sitting there thinking Casino Royale clocked in at what two hours ten minutes? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and most we're of looking them are at over it two hours, it, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, most of them are exactly. And so at this one in an hour and forty five minutes. Did they pack too much in? Too short a Whenever time. Whenever you get to the end of this of this of this movie and Camille and Bond are going after and it's Camille didn't even need to be in this movie. If you get rid of her, I mean, why is she relevant? The movie doesn't change whether she's there or not. So why are we spending time focusing on her story? I don't understand that. I mean, just to give us a strong female lead, okay, that's fine. Like if you're gonna kill one, it's like, oh, we can't do that, you know, because it's two thousand eight. We need to I, I think you have to have Camille there in order for us to recognize the humanity in bond um because she doesn't become a bond girl in the traditional sense in that she ends up in bed with james bond right instead she is working with him and he is helping her because of her situation she's out for revenge and he recognizes that he's out for revenge too and so there's this humanity being touched i'm bringing you along to help you and it's helping me at the same time, whether it's a whether it's directly helping him figure out information, which it's not, but it is helping him emotionally to cope with what he's dealing with by helping her. And so I feel like that's why she's there. I think you're right. And, I think you're right. Uh, and, and maybe I'd, I'd word a little differently. She's not necessary for the story, but she's necessary for the character of Bond. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. yeah and there, there's several like and again, at the very end of the movie, when they're in that crazy hotel and it looks like, you know, literally they're going to die by fire. Um, the way that he, you know, caresses her and holds her and comes to her defense on multiple occasions, yeah. that's Bond. And, and and again, that that is that evolution from this basically rough rookie animal to the full character that we know and love. Uh, so I think she was necessary uh, in that regard. Um, I'll, I'll say this, though. One character I struggled with in this movie as well was Mathis. I thought that he played very well in Casino Royale, sort of that nonchalant, got all the answers, I got all the connections, hey, you want another glass of champagne kind of guy. This was like this really emotional, um, I don't know, I I don't know that he played that very well. And and it did feel like uh, the writers realized he, he was great in that scene on the airplane with yes. Bond when they were talking about I have a pill for and, everything yes yeah yeah mm-hmm. and, and that that was great now I loved him there and then the way they just dispose of him at the end feels like well they could have held him out for something else later on down the road so just end his scene yeah. you know have him part ways once they arrive he gets him uh, his in or his information and then he's out but to have it go a little bit further and then end up killing him, I, yeah, I, I didn't feel like it was that was treated. Yeah, yeah it, was it was a bit weird. awkward. Yeah, and you, so you're telling me in a 20-minute span of time or a 30-minute span of time, Bond goes from kind of being this heartless whatever, throwing his, you know, his buddy in the dumpster to all of a sudden, actually, you know what? 
the name is James Bond. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, it, that was weird. M- that Mathis was one of my points too. I was like, why are you here? I thought you were dead. Why are you yeah. here? You know? Yeah. So I, I think it, that's another one of those things. They try to make something feel significant. It's like, oh no, Mathis is a part of this still. You know, it's like you could have had, if you're going to kill him anyway, you could have had some rando do it. Make that, make the redhead some girl, you know, you could, you could, like Ethan was saying, you could have used Mathis, have Bond be like, oh crap, my credit cards aren't working. Call Mathis and he'd be like, you know what, bro? I got you. Set her up with the redhead. Redhead gets him into the, into the stuff. Boom. And then kill her. Done. Like, mm. I, I don't know. There's, there was, there was needless time wasted. I mean, <laughs> You, I agree. You almost, you almost sounded like uh, Seth Green in uh, uh, what's the uh, Austin Powers movie? I've got a gun in my room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I hate yeah. you. Oh, now Austin Powers. Those might be some fun movies to review after this Bond series is over. Oh man, the first one, yes. The other two, I'm, I, I tap. <laughs> yeah, out. they're pretty. Anyway. They're pretty raunchy. Um, yeah, I don't think I ever bad. even saw the third one of those. I, I, yeah, I, it lost me on the second one. Goldmember. Yeah. Goldmember is the bomb. Diggity. Oh, is that the third Goldmember, one? Yeah, Goldmember is better. Oh, than I have the, okay, the middle one is awful. Yeah, I withdraw anyway. my statement. I have seen them all, unfortunately. Yeah. Can, can, can I talk about things that I like about this movie? Let's do it. Wait, 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 wait. Yes. Yes, wait, I'll, I'll, yes, Ethan, you may proceed. <laughs> Thank you, host, I appreciate that. No, I'm just that. kidding, I'm joking. No, but no, I, I do want to talk about a couple of things that I really liked about it, and one for me is the, the opera scene, the the modern opera in the, the, the Incredible. Austria. Incredible. Yeah. Just, I mean, that's, that's a spycraft movie, mm-hmm. and just some, the scene blocking the way it was shot cinematically there were things about that that i i go back and i can i can watch just those that sequence yeah and and pick out something new or something i appreciate about the way it was shot or the story as it's being told just the interaction between uh uh oh great i blanked uh mr white and mr white talking with the person next the the lady next to him you know just there was it was so well done and and Agreed. Say what you will about the movie, you can't say a, there's a whole lot of things wrong with that scene, and the way it plays out there at the end with uh, Dominic Green, you know, the, he can't see me, you know, and mm-hmm. just that very villainous, you know, the way that unfolded was great. And then too, I wanted to do a shout out since we were talking about Microsoft Flight Simulator earlier, uh, the DC three sequence in Argentina. I thought, or is it Chile? Uh, I, Bolivia. Bolivia, Bolivia, yeah. out in the, the, the desert or the Atacama Desert or whatever it is. That sequence, I thought, was a lot of fun. Also I cool. mean, t- totally unrealistic, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of fun to yeah. watch. And I, I really appreciated the action in there as well. But And the Aston Martin sequence at the beginning is, you know, chef's kiss. Oh, so yeah. Cool. Um, so you, uh, Ethan, you 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 stole um, one of my uh, one of my comments. I was going to harp on about that um, opera scene. I love that scene so much that this book that I've written, it actually served as inspiration for um, a very important scene in, in this book and an ongoing scene in future books. So, well, now I'm interested in reading it. Well, that, that's good. I'm just with the point of being mysterious <laughs> about it. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think the way, it, and I'll give you a hint, um, what is so cool about that, and it's so Bond, is okay you know these people could meet somewhere you know uh obscure and dark and whatnot in fact they do that in specter um but what are they they're out in the open 
they never interact with each other. And it's just, it's so cool. And it's just a way of carrying on business amid this super high class, you know, uh, incredible uh, environment. It's just, it's so cool. And, and, and yeah, that's, yeah. that's one of the definite high points, uh, if not the high point um, of the movie. Yeah. And I, I almost feel like, like when Christopher Nolan released the, that long preview of Tenet before, before we knew what that movie was going to be, uh, was in a, you know, a theater setting like that. And I was definitely having callbacks to quantum of solace <laughs> in seeing the, that trailer when it was, you know, when it was, that movie was <laughs> first going to be coming out. Uh, so yeah, I feel like that is, uh, it's probably for me, it's one of the top bond movie sequences. I mean, I, I put that one up there. It's to me, it's, it's quite good and would certainly be in my top five. It's great. And also a very subtle point. And, and I remember thinking, man, that's cool. The way that the cinematography, the way they did that at the end, when he calls them out, he's taking pictures. And as they are all are fleeing that scene where bonds by himself and he comes down and he meets green and all his goon squad. And if you notice the way bonds standing there, it's, it's that classic to the side, all touched yeah. out, just looking like a BA. I mean, it's just, it's, it's super cool. And uh, yeah, so that's, that was, they, they made up for Haiti in that scene. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not to mention too, like whenever the opera kicks in, it, it's cutting back and forth, you know, me being like a cinematography nerd, you know, and someone who does a lot of editing, like watching them kind of take those scenes and cut back and forth to the opera as, as things significant in the opera are happening. And there's not really any dialogue. There's no noise being made on the uh you know the goons end of things until the gunshot mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you're really like kind of sucked in you're like oh this is dope like it feels very what like one of the times where the director was literally like this is significant let's make it feel mm -hmm. like it and that you mm -hmm. really lands the only problem is that the rest of the movie he's like this is significant we need to make <laughs> make sure this lands so yeah. but that is by and far like my favorite also the the scene with the 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 double agent right where he's chasing bond and like they're tumbling down the um the scaffolding oh, and yeah. stuff and you know yeah. bond comes around and you know points his gun at the camera and they don't they don't ever show that i don't think they ever show that agent dead but do they you know what happened. you know what happened yeah i mean you know what happened no it, it immediately cuts to the title sequence yeah. after that yeah it? it was right yeah so no and that's the thing is this movie and we've talked about it for the last, you know, 45 minutes or so of, of why you guys don't think it's awesome. Uh, and, and maybe I'm overstating. Maybe that's not really the discussion we're having. But there are moments throughout this movie in which you can tell it is a Bond film. And I got to give credit to the director because he he came into this not really knowing Bond films. He'd never shot anything like it. And I think he had the right people around him, at least if he didn't know what he was doing, then at least he had the right people in his ear telling him we need to sprinkle in moments like this so that people can look at it and they can say, yeah, this is a Bond film. And I accept it as that. Whatever else it also was, you can tell it's a Bond film. I, and yeah, I don't I think it belongs in the Pantheon. It's one of those things where it's like whenever you stack it up against... I, I personally I think this goes in the same class as Spectre. Um I thought Spectre was just fine. Um it was still cool. But and who knows, maybe I only watched it once. So who knows, maybe I'll feel different the second time I watch it. 
Um, I I think if you take everything that's on TV, the worst Bond movie is still going to probably be the best thing that's on TV to watch. So it's one of those things I think you come at it from an angle of, no, they're all awesome. They're all cool. But which one is the most, eh, I don't know. You know, it's almost like Star Wars. Like, I don't know. Like, for me, you know, some people say The Last Jedi, right? Is like, yeah, okay. You know, some people hate that movie. But more, more a better one is probably The Clone Wars, right? Like, or Attack of the Clones, excuse me. If that is on, if I was watching TV and, like, there was nothing else on to watch, or even if there was something else on to watch, it was like, I don't know, it's still Star Wars. Like, I'm still going to watch that. And I think that's kind of how I feel about this one. But this is obviously a way better movie than that. But kind of fits into the same, I view it kind of the same, if that makes sense. Go ahead, Ethan. How dare you? I'm just saying. How dare you put me in the position of saying Quantum of Solace is like The Last Jedi in that it's reviled by most... But loved by some. <laughs> you are you're a grade A class one jerk for that. Thank you. That's Thank what you, you get. That's what you get for de- forever <laughs> defending something that I'm not crazy about. No, I I liked I liked rewatching this movie a lot. Like I enjoyed it. I would never, like I said, I don't want to have to focus so hard on everything that's happening. I definitely think this is a theater experience movie for sure. But kind of Casino Royale, like it's a little more low key. And I, I do think well, it's a very simple story. Yeah, Casino Royale, very simple. simple. Like very, simple. there's there's a lot of moving parts, yet it's still easy to keep track of everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. And you can't say that for this movie. Like you can't. Um, so I don't know. I think my positives. I, I think all the performances are really really well done. Um, Judy Dench is awesome in this movie, and that she, she kind of takes good. on that maternal role for Bond. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I like their relationship a lot. Um, it's it's almost kind of like, oh, guy, you have kids. You can attest to this. It's almost kind of like, you know, you'll let one kid get not get away with one thing, but for whatever reason, the other kid somehow gets somehow gets away with whatever. You know, that's just what happens. Yeah. yeah. And um, I well, think that a, a good scene. I'll throw this into into your commentary there. That's that's total evidence of that. Probably the best of the movie to illustrate what you're talking about is the point where. And I don't remember the guy's name, the guy in Haiti that he goes and ends up fighting right at the beginning and kind of assuming his his role. And he and he told uh, M, he's like, well, he was a dead end. And M immediately knows what that means. She's like, oh, great. He killed him. You know, so it is is like it's like her child and she knows what his lies are. And she knows, you know, when when he's trying to spin something off, she knows him because, you know, it's like her kids. So, uh, yeah, love Judy Dench in this movie. Yeah, same. No, I I, and like I said, I think. You could have taken any of these plots and focused just on those or had two of them, you know, but there's like a, there's a lot happening here. And I just don't think, I think it could have benefited from another 30, 45 minutes. I mean, got it. I would have, I would have sat there for two, two hours and 45 minutes to see all of these plots kind of fleshed out better, you know, cause it, yeah. it's not like the story beats don't make sense. They do. That's not the point. The point is it all happens. And then it's like, Oh God, we're at the end of the movie already. Like, so mm-hmm. by the time we get to the end, yes, Camille, whatever her name is, she may humanize bond, but at the same time, the only one that's been consistent the entire time has been bond. So her moment doesn't really feel re- deserved in a way. I'm kind of like, oh, okay, like it's cheap revenge. Cool. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm missing the point. I don't know. 
Well, again, this whole notion of there's just too much packed into a, a short package, I, I think is is relevant. Um, speaking of Camille, um, something I don't think that was handled very well, there's this little nugget um, thrown out, maybe when they're on the, the airplane. And uh, Bond says, uh, so my sources tell me you're part of uh, Bolivian Secret Service or Bolivian intelligence or something. And, and A, does Bolivia even have a secret service? You know, I, I didn't, that surprised me. And it's just this little thing that they throw out that's kind of a big deal. Oh, so she's a trained intelligence offer, officer. Well, where was that this whole movie? She, you know, she yeah. kind of bumbles her way through the, the previous part of the movie. So that just didn't, didn't jive with me as well. What's interesting, and again, I think an opportunity that they missed is towards the end when you understand sort of what uh, Green's organization Quantum's up to, this idea of fooling everybody, there's no water, and then they're going to be the water utility and, and rip everybody off. And you see these poor people uh, in Bolivia just suffering. And, and, and the musical scores that they play as, as uh, her and Bond are kind of walking out of the desert and you're seeing these poor people – I mean, it kind of, it, it tugs a little bit on your humanity and, and you're like, oh, that's, man, you know, that, that's what this organization is about is, is treating the common person terribly to make money and to get in, to gain influence and power. They should have developed that part of the story because that is your introduction to what Spectre is all about. They are an organization that kills, maims, destroys. They don't care as long as their power and wealth increases. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is true. Uh, that is a beef that I would have with that plot development in that, like I mentioned earlier, you think they're going after oil. You think that's that, you know, even, you know, uh, David Harbour's character, he's in it. He's in that country <laughs> for oil or he thinks he is. And he's anyway. all ha, like he's in this, this, this weird stoner. I'm like, <laughs> that was, what was that about? <laughs> that, <yeah>. He's all ha. <laughs> He's totally a jerk in this movie, yeah. and I like it. I think he does a good job with it. But yeah, I think they hid the point of all of this a little bit too long. They held that card a little too close to the chest for too long before revealing it there at the end. And I, I, I think you're onto something there, guy. That it might have been better a better story if it had been if they had spent more time bringing us in on all of the, the intricacies of why the plot is unfolding. What's the goal here? And I think if we had had a little more tipping of the hat as to what that was exactly, um, I, I think it, the, it would have paid off better there at the end too. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll throw something else out there, not to digress too much. Um, it, it, so this came out, what year was it? 08? Yep. You guys remember when the first iPhone came out? 2000. Shortly after. It was actually right before this movie. Right before. Okay. Was, I think it was 06 when the first iPhone, 06, 07 timeframe. So what's interesting, and the reason I bring that up is I remember sitting in the movie theater watching this when at the very beginning they, they take a, 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 a currency bill. I don't know if it was a dollar or a euro and they throw it on that table and it, the table comes alive. I mean, it's super, even watching it today, it was still pretty cool. And you notice that the phones, the phone constantly played a part uh, in this movie. And like they're walking, M's walking with that one guy, I don't remember his name. And she asks him a question, get a hold of Bond, where's Bond? And, and so he pulls out this weird looking phone. And, and so it was kind of a nod to the time, I think, that because the iPhone yeah. just hit the scene. And it, you know, as we know, it changed the world. And you could tell, I don't know if that was already in the works, all those, you know, technical components, my guess would be not. I bet you that they 
they, they pivoted quickly in the storyline to, to take advantage of that, of what had just happened in the, um, in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And this is also right before the economic crash too. Mm. So this is one of the oh yeah, that's right. Moments. Because that, that had an impact for the next couple of years at sure. least on cinema and everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. Time, yeah. Um, is there anything that we want to mention? Like, do we find anything significant? I mean, the entire thing, man, this entire discussion has been pretty significant. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, Ethan. Well, I was just going to say, I, I, I said it before and I'll just reiterate. I think that the, the, at the end of the film, the point of all of it with the whole thing over water, I think that's a very relevant discussion that you're going to see more and more and more in, in actual headlines today. And so I, I give this movie credit for being a little bit ahead of the curve in looking at something beyond oil, gold, or nuclear weapons, which has been the the tri- the holy trinity of Bond films <laughs> up until this point. You know, it was all about money, which, yes, it's all about money. It's the economy, stupid. But they found a nice way of making it different than anything that had been presented before. And I thought that was, you know, inventive. Well said. Guy, what do you think? Well, I just I just want to say again, after really taking a long hiatus from this particular movie and then watching it as a result of getting ready for this, uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I do. I do like it less than I used to. <laughs> um, and and you like the, it less? I, I I dislike it less. I'm sorry. I dislike it less. Thank you. I was like, I I am thoroughly confused. Uh... Okay. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Um, And and again, in in the full spectrum of all the Bond films, uh, it's definitely not the worst one. Uh, It is. It's still my least favorite of the Craig films, but it does have its its high points. Um, One little uh, notable nerd, uh, Bond nerd note. An interesting thing about this movie. Did you know and I think I'm right on this. This is the only movie that Bond appears inebriated in. Ah, on the plane. Yeah, on the plane. Yeah, he's he's you know he Not- can't even remember what he's drinking. He asked that. Yeah, he's wasted on the plane. I think he had six or seven of those those uh, martinis or whatever he was drinking. Um, yeah, that's the only one where he's actually drunk. Well. Wow. That's... And not and not poisoned, right? Yeah, okay. right. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was definitely poisoned in the last. Definitely one. poisoned. Yeah, no, he was poisoned. Yeah, so he yeah, was. No. He was poisoned, but uh, f- totally yeah, different. Not the same. Totally different. Yes. <laughs> Nerd. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. No, that's Good. cool. Yeah. No, that yeah, that no, was just kind of a little interesting yeah. tidbit about this one. It's almost like that was kind of the nod to the book in a way, like because isn't he sauced in the book or in the short story? Is what you're saying? He's like talking to someone at a well, bar he is well he, that, he's always drinking in the books constantly i mean that's what i guess the brits did back in the 50s and 60s they just never stopped drinking but um but no he wasn't drunk he, it was just after dinner and they were they were talking and it, he didn't come across as inebriated but i just thought that was interesting and, it, and it's sort of like that's sort of his low point um in the movie and, and sort of the inflection yeah. point because you know he still hasn't gotten over Vesper. He feels guilty about you know what he did to to Mathis, and he's kind of trying to bring him along and, and resurrect his uh, dignity. And so he just kind of he's battling with all these things, and it's a low point. And you know what do you do? When, I guess when people you know are at their low point, a lot of them go get drunk. So that's what he did. Yeah, 
Yeah. Makes sense. And, and one, one last thing I like about this movie, right at the end, we get the answer for the, what is the Tunisian love knot or whatever yes. it is. And, and we get, we get to see the wrap up of that whole thing and shout out to, uh, Stana Kadic for making a brief appearance there. I, I like her in castle. So mm-hmm. anyway, that was a great scene too. The way they wrapped yeah. it up. I, I thought that, oh, yeah. was, that was well done. Yeah. Yeah. There you have it. So all in all, gentlemen, um, we are left with a movie that one of us thinks very highly of, and two of us, at the end of the day, we can see all the pieces that are there. We can see all of the uh, the points. It's like, yeah, they did do that. Yes, that is there. Yes, yes, the, the pieces are there, but the execution just wasn't quite there for us. That being said, it's not a bad movie. It's not. I would love to hear why someone would think it was a bad movie. It's worth um, watching. It, it is. Yeah. It is. It's worth going back to every once in a while. Um, you know, I I don't think it's bad. So at the end of the day, what what do we if we, have to, if we had to put a number on this, what do we give this out of ten? Anyone can go. I I'll, I'll start out. This is a solid six point seven for me. Okay. That's uh. Very precise. That's very precise. <laughs> yeah, that is. Well, so 67 out of 100. Okay. All right. Yeah, nope. okay, I can deal. I can deal. What do you think, Ethan? I, I can't remember what I gave Casino Royale. I think I gave it an 8. I think I gave it an 8. I feel like, if not an yeah. 8, then a 7.5. You know, it's right in there. It's it's extremely good. You can't. There's not a whole lot you can knock about that movie. This movie, to me, I have always liked. Now, I hear what you're saying, and I would totally agree with you. If I'm thinking about watching a Bond film of the Daniel Craig era, this is not the first one I'm going to grab. I, I totally give you guys that. That being said, there's a lot here that I like about this movie, and it's hard for me to kind of separate the uh, my personal liking and nostalgia for this movie and, and trying to critically give it a score here. So I'm not even going to try. Um, if I gave Casino Royale an 8, then I would give this one a 7.5. I think it's really close. And if I watch Casino Royale, you can bet within the next day or two, I'm probably going to watch this. You know, I'm going to watch Quantum of Solace just to kind of bookend the experience. Because I can't, I don't, you can't have one without the other. And for that, it, it Maybe it's the long way of going about things, but that makes it a valuable movie in the Bond franchise. And so, yeah, I, I, I score it just under Casino Royale. I'll give it a 7.5 if I give Casino Royale an 8. Okay. Um. Yeah, so it's one of those things for me where, obviously, you all know that I don't do decimals. I'm not, a, you know, unless unless the, the number that follows it is a zero. Uh, and I just don't find myself giving this movie anything above a six. Um, I think five is borderline fine, right? Uh, or, or, you know, kind of like it's passable, right? It's like, yeah, I, I would watch it again, right? Six is above that for me in that I do think it is enjoyable. We're going to kind of take some notes from the Bush League gaming guys, um, which I know. Uh, shout out to Bush League. They they uh, they actually li- they're they're uh, at least Jacob Bush is interested in our our bond discussion. So here you go. I'm I'm referencing you. There you go. Um, I think six is enjoyable. Name drop. Yeah, he's a <laughs> he's a good dude. 
He is. He, you know, he's nicely played. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. a good dude. Um, enjoyable. It's it's enjoyable. I think six is enjoyable, but I still think it could have used work to be considered good. Um, I, I don't know or great. I don't. I don't know. It's it's a hard one. Uh, you know, it, it's a it's a strong six. How about that? You know, and I'm not going to get anything above that. You mean so, like a six point seven, maybe? No, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give it an emphatic mediocre. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's. It's enjoyable. Um, yeah. I think seven puts it at good, so that would make sense for guys rating. You know, six point seven mm-hmm. is it's like you know, but Ethan really likes this one. But Ethan, I like I like what I like. Ethan, you can and I, you and I, you can be and you are wrong. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> and I don't like Last Jedi. Yeah, so it's okay. I know we're never gonna agree on that one. That's fine. <laughs> Another one in the books, gentlemen. Quantum is that, of is, is that a is, is that a Star Trek movie? I kid, I kid. Come on. Okay. Guys. I was like, whoa. I was um, like, guy is not invited back next yeah, time. <laughs> no, no, he is not. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, another one in the books. Da- Daniel Craig's, uh, you know, saga. The second one is is in the books. That That's great. Um, next month, Skyfall. Gentlemen, are we returning for Skyfall? That's a good one. I'll return for that one. Yeah, sure. I'm. Uh, that's my. I think that's probably my favorite one out of all the Bond movies. Good one. So, mm-hmm. or I've definitely, I've at least seen that one the most. I think I went to the theater like four times to see that one. Um, really? Yeah. That there was a time period where I was going to the theater. Like, if I really liked a movie, I'd go. I that was whenever I first started getting money. So I would go and like I would go to the theater. I think I went to the. I think I saw The Dark Knight Rises like 12 times or something like that. I was going to say, yeah. it, it was 2012 also. So you had Dark Knight Rises, uh-huh. you had Avengers, yeah. and you had Skyfall all in that year. That was a great I, Good yeah, movie year. Yeah. for all of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there you have it, lady, or, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, if there's any ladies listening. Uh, definitely give us a follow on social media. We would definitely appreciate it. If you uh, have any thoughts that you would like to be read on the show, you can email us at thewannabecollective at gmail.com. Um, Guy, thank you so much for joining us. Ethan, uh, always thank you very much for joining us. And, um, yeah, until next time, next month, gentlemen. Of course, we will be starting back in with our Star Wars movies uh, on Keeping It Real, I believe, in two weeks. So in two weeks you'll have more Star Wars stuff. The goal is to have another episode of Beer Bros out, uh, East Side, next week. Um, but that's, that still yet is yet to, to be seen. So hopefully that happens. I'm not sure yet. They haven't sent me one yet. So <laughs> either way, it's been a, a lot of fun, gentlemen, to, to talk Bond with you uh, until next time. So plug your handles. Do your stuff. Ethan, I know you probably have handles to plug, so go for it. Yeah. Uh, find uh, You can find me. On Ethan at Ethan Maestri on the Twitter. That's my personal account. You can inter- interact with me there if you feel like you need to. Um, also, you can find me doing another podcast with one Ryan Mazzocco. That is Drive Back the Night in Andromeda Series podcast. You can find that on Podbean. And at Andromeda Pod is where you will find that Twitter feed as well. I also did a spot over on BLG recently. A couple of spots, actually. So those episodes are supposed to be hitting in the next month, month and a half, two months. Yeah, it's... I haven't uh, heard what the schedule is yet, but uh, look for me over on BLG too. Yeah, they um, I they they came on for uh, we're we're continuing our playthrough of the Super Giant games, and they came on, and I I threatened, I said, look, man, if you're gonna try and poach my co-host, I might have to have you killed. Uh, 
you know, but no, they they made it very clear that they weren't trying to do that. So, um, but yeah, very cool. Definitely be on the lookout for those episodes. Guide. No, get, go, go ahead, uh, Ethan. I was just gonna say, no, it was, a, it was great just to sit down with them for a little bit and collaborate. And so, yeah, yeah. it was, it was a fun time. Like I said, good guys. Uh, guy, do you have any handles that you want to plug? Not really. The only thing I would maybe throw out there for public consumption is um, if you're interested in uh, espionage meets uh, historical uh, fiction, uh, you know, Da Vinci Code meets uh, Born, uh, that is the writing project, the book I've written. And so if you want to check out GuyMace.com, that's my website where um, news on that project will uh, unfold. Um, Hopefully good things coming. There you have it. How rad, yeah, how how rad would it be if at the end of these James Bond movies, guys like, you know what, I think I just want to join the podcast every week. You know, who knows? It could happen. It could, it could, that's how, that's how it's happened with everyone else. It's just, this podcast is so good that people are like, you know what, my takes are infinitely better than Gabe's. So I think I would definitely have, you know, come on. And, um, you know, spend my time. I don't know, Gabriel, my, my, my insight into um, certain genres you guys focus on is, is pretty shallow. So um, sometimes that's almost better, you know, having so. someone that can just someone that can just rain on the parade. It's it can be pretty comical. So you never know. Okay. Never say never. You know, we still got <laughs> we got we got like four more months of this. I'm I'm, I'm you know, it's gradualism <laughs> is what's happening. Uh, but no, it's it was great to have you guys on again. This was a lot of fun. I think, honestly, I, it kind of worked out that we didn't have more people because there either would have been a fight or it wouldn't have been as interesting, I think. So I think this was the right there's, amount. There was of a lot to unpack on this one. There's yeah. a lot to unpack. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. So well, that's going to wrap it up for us here uh, at Keeping It Real from the Wannabe Collective. Um, thank you all so much for tuning in. And uh, gentlemen, say goodbye. Well, whatever possessed you to check out any of the content that you saw today, I just want to say thank you so much for doing so. If you check the description down below, you'll see that there's a variety of different projects that I'm associated with. This is Wannabe Critic Productions after all. So I just wanted to say if you enjoyed what you saw today, consider giving some of those other projects a chance as well. There's a lot of stuff that uh, I'm a part of that I, you know, that that I do. If you were here for me or for someone else that you saw today, um, again, just thank you for checking it out and uh, I hope to see you again. But until next time, I'm Gabriel Fast, and I'll always be the wannabe critic.